Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast. Today we are sharing a replay of a discussion Krista did on the Family Meeting Podcast for the Center for Biblical Unity. You'll hear Krista offer some practical advice about how to stand for justice in a dark world. And now, here's Krista. So, uh, I don't know how many of you are on Twitter. I don't necessarily endorse Twitter, but it, it, it is an interesting place. Uh, I usually find if you know who to follow on Twitter, you actually can get the news months before the mainstream media, but you have to know who to follow. Um, so there have been several drops in the last week of what they're calling the Twitter files. As many of you know, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion, with a B, dollars uh, some months ago and has now taken over and promised transparency. So uh, he has handed over many doc internal documents and messages from Twitter from before he purchased it to independent reporters such as Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi. Taibbi, hopefully I'm saying that right. And they have been dropping data um, about tw Twitter, and it's definitely coming out um, how much suppression Twitter was doing of voices like ours, and um, all of the shadow banning that I've, compl I've been complaining about for the last year and a half appears to be true. <laughs> so uh, things that we were told were were conspiracy theories um, are turning out to be, in fact real in some cases. So there was a dump though recently as one of the Twitter files and I wanted to just look at this one tweet. I thought it was a great example of something that uh, I wanted to highlight and kind of connect it with the Christian worldview. So I'm going to show the tweet here on the screen because I like visual aids. And here it is. So this was an internal tweet or an internal message from the message system at Twitter by one employee. And this was a kind of one employee's attempt to swim upstream um, for a principle. And I thought this was such a good example of um, a biblical principle that I want to go over here. So what this message says, and again, this is, a, this is from a Twitter employee sent this to what I would assume was his supervisor um, some time ago. It says, this might be an unpopular opinion, but one-off ad hoc decisions like this, and when he says like this, it's which posts to suppress which accounts to suppress, which counts to what is called shadow banning. In other words, not propagating the post to the person's followers. Um, these one-off ad hoc decisions like this that don't appear to be, here's the key part, rooted in policy are, in my honest opinion, a slippery slope and reflect an al alternatively equally dictatorial problem. This now appears to be a fiat by an online platform CEO with a global presence 
that can gatekeep speech for the entire world, which seems unsustainable. I think this is an important message that some employee um, who I don't know who they are messaged to what I would assume was their supervisor at the time. And they saw all this work that Twitter was putting into suppressing certain voices, deplatforming certain voices. And usually it was voices who were anti the critical theories, such as James Lindsay, um, Jordan Peterson. They were certain voices that were often suppressed where they weren't, um, no new followers were allowed to be added or they would wake up in the mornings and followers, hundreds to thousands of followers would have been deleted overnight. There was just all kinds of weird stuff happening on Twitter over the last two years and um, just trying to suppress and censor certain perspectives, certain points of view. This one employee says, this might be an unpopular opinion. In other words, he was going against his work culture. He was going against the sensibilities of what everyone was telling him, this is what we must do. And he was noting and, and noticing these ad hoc decisions that don't appear to be rooted in policy. I think this is a, this is a profound observation that this employee had. Because there was definitely a two-tiered system at Twitter prior to Elon Musk where um, we're going to push out some voices and suppress other voices. We experienced this ourselves during 2020. In the beginning, the algorithms thought that Monique was part of Black Lives Matter. They literally pushed our content to 150,000 people a week. Now, once the bots figured out what our perspective was, and it took several months, but that's the large majority of when people found us was in the summer and fall of 2020, before the algorithms had figured out our point of view. Once the algorithms figured out our point of view, they, they turned that spigot off and we just watched our social media numbers go down and down and down and down to the point that now only two to 5% of our followers are seeing our own content. This is not imaginary. There was a concerted effort at Twitter to suppress certain points of view. But one employee spoke up and said, you're using what the Bible calls unequal weights and measures. This isn't right. This isn't right. It's not right to platform, you know, voices with a different perspective. What we might even call particularly a Judeo-Christian perspective, a more conservative perspective um, from uh, having their content pushed out. I think that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this picture and this is um, what I used for the, for the thumbnail today for the show. This guy, August Landmesser, probably never heard of him. He lived, uh, he was born in 1910 and died in 1944. He was a worker in a German shipyard in Hamburg, Germany. And he is probably the, a person who appears in a very famous 
photograph from 1936, where he's conspicuously in a crowd, but refusing to perform the Nazi salute with all the other workers. I'm gonna scroll down here, click on the picture. If you've ever seen this picture, this is the thumbnail for what um, I put together for the show today. And if you see this, this little circle there right in the middle, you can see him. everyone else is giving the Nazi salute and he's standing there with his arms folded. Now we might be reading too much into this. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe the, the photographer just got him at a distracted moment and he did the salute later. But what's interesting to me about this picture is that it's, it, let's just assume for, the, for a second that it was a conscious um, disagreement with going with the crowd. And he's purposefully not saluting, not going along with it. Can you imagine the cultural pressure of this guy, what he's going through? I mean, it, any of us who live through 2020, we, we had thousands of people writing to us all the time because they were like the cultural pressure to bow the knee, to go to the BLM rally, to, to go along with the narrative. It was great. They, you know, to post a black square and I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. I don't want people to think that I'm a racist and everyone was nervous. You know, they had all the black lives matter on the basketball courts and wearing special jerseys and, and taking a knee during the national anthem. And if one guy would stand up that, you know, it was like, Total disrespect. He must be a racist. He's not, he's not for the tribe. It's a lot of cultural pressure. But in those moments, what I want you to know is that I want you to get out ahead and know what the Bible teaches so that you're when you're in that moment of cultural pressure, you have an inkling as to what to do. You know what to do. No matter what your situation, your circumstances, let's say you're in the workplace and you see that your employer is requiring you to have unequal weights and measures that you just know are just unfair and they're wrong. And they're, they're just, they're, they're targeting people for not a good reason. Now there's, there's sometimes where we, we have to engage in what I call needful discrimination. We engage in discrimination of sorts all the time. If you're a parent and you've ever had to hire a babysitter and you go interview somebody and you just know like that person gives me the creeps. Like I'm not hiring that person to watch my kid. You're discriminating. You might not even be discriminating necessarily on a lot of data. They might just give you a creepy feeling and you're like, I'm not letting that person watch my kid. If you've ever been a hiring manager and somebody comes in and, and you're talking to them and you're thinking, yeah, I don't think I can trust this person to know all my finances and know all my passwords. Uh, they're not going to pass a background check. You know, if they fail a background check before you hire them, there are all kinds of reasons that we discriminate all the time for, I would say, warranted reasons. And so that's why we have to be so careful about why we discriminate. The, the word discrimination has been so villainized that we think all discrimination is bad, but it's not. Not all discrimination is bad. We must discriminate. 
or judge ideas, situations, safe and unsafe people. We discriminate all the time, okay? The question is, that's, that's important is, what is the standard that we are using to discriminate? That's what's, what's really important. And so in this work situation with Twitter, he says he, this, this employee at Twitter was bothered by one-off ad hoc decisions that do not appear to be rooted in policy. He's saying we're discriminating for not good reasons. We're not discriminating according to a principle. And we're not discriminating equally, you know. We're discriminating in an unequal fashion, an ad hoc fashion. This is a very um, powerful insight that this person had at Twitter. And who knows what happened? Like, did, did, the, did, did his supervisor pay attention? Probably not. Um, because these ad hoc kind of slippery slope situations seem to be pretty prevalent at Twitter. But even if everyone is bowing the knee, even if everyone is giving the salute, I want to tell you, Christian, you better know what the Bible has to say so that when you're in the situation, you know exactly what to do. You know how to show up. You know how to act in a just way. Let me just give you a few script, couple of scriptures that, that relate to this particular situation for you to reflect on. Exodus chapter 23. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. You need to know ahead of time, a just person in God's economy and how God defines justice doesn't spread false reports. A person takes five extra seconds to research something before they press the retweet button. That person does a Google search uh, to make sure that they're understanding the context of what's being said instead of just retweeting a headline, okay? Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. We don't lie on the witness stand for people. We don't um, lie about other people in a malicious way on the witness stand in a way that is not true, bearing false witness. Verse two, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd and do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. This is very important. We don't follow the crowd. If, if you wanna act like a just person, a justice-oriented person, you're not just following the crowd. You're not just automatically bending the knee, giving the salute, whatever it is that the crowd is doing, posting the black square. No, you're stopping to ask with discernment, do I need to discriminate on this idea? Do I need to discriminate against what this person is saying? Okay. We don't just follow the crowd mindlessly because everybody else is doing something. When we go to court, when we are giving a testimony about somebody else to a friend, to our supervisor, to an elder in our church, to somebody in authority, we don't pervert justice just by going with the mob and siding with the crowd. Neither do we just show favoritism because somebody is rich or poor. God's people don't do that. That's not how we act. If Christians are going to act 
in a just way, according to God's standards. These are just a few of the things that we need to do to help shape our soul so that we're, we're in the moment. We know exactly what to do. The time to try to figure it out is not when you're in the furnace, right? The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow the knee to the statue. They knew, you know, exactly what they were going to do. They knew exactly what God required. And when it was time, they didn't bow the knee. They didn't go along with the crowd and the false worship and all of that. Let's look at Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? We don't fear the government. We don't fear our boss. We don't fear other people. When we're acting in a just way, we do it because we fear God. We fear the fact that we serve a God who requires us to, what is the very next phrase? Walk in obedience in him. We want to obey what Jesus has commanded us to do. Okay, to love him and serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands. This is just obedience. This is another way of saying what was just said in verse 12. Commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Okay, to the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything. God is king. Everything belongs to him including you and I, all right? Verse 16, circumcise your hearts, therefore. Do not be stiff-necked any longer. Bring your heart into alignment with God's plans, purposes, commands, decrees, whatever you want to call them. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and the great God, mighty and awesome. Notice the description here that God gives of himself. He shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you. In other words, the Gentile who has decided to live among God's covenant people. God has a plan for the Gentiles too. He had a, a covenant plan for them. Okay. So then we scroll down a little bit later in Deuteronomy in chapter 16, verse 19. Notice that God wants us to be like him. Just as he doesn't show partiality, he doesn't accept bribes. Nobody's going to get off on the last day at the great white throne judgment because they can buy God off, okay? He says, you, as one of my people, do not pervert justice or show partiality. You do not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. God wants us to be holy just as he is holy. How do we be holy? We do not pervert justice by showing partiality, favoring the rich over the poor. We do not accept bribes. Why not? Because that is how God is. Leviticus 19 verse 15, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great or the rich, but judge your neighbor fairly. In, in God's economy, we don't run around with ad hoc, random 
um, practices that are not rooted in policies. We do not, God does not want his people to engage in that kind of a way. So in this case, the Twitter, a Twitter employee was standing up for a principle, whether he knew it or not, that is consistent with a biblical worldview. And that is that we don't show unfair treatment. We don't show unfair partiality, favoring the rich over the poor or the poor over the rich or whatever. Okay. Now, again, sometimes we have to discriminate. I appreciate that Twitter is now trying to discriminate against pedophiles being on their platform. That's vile. I'm not talking about um, to, to not discriminate that all voices and perspectives are the same. Some discrimination is necessary. This is why we need to understand God's eternal moral law. Let me know your thoughts about that. It was an interesting tweet. Um, Hopefully you found that helpful. Okay, I wanna let you know really quickly that uh, especially since Kim Vick is on the stream right now, that this week we opened up the Unwoke Homeschooling Support Group, okay? So Kim asked us for this. Other people asked us for this. We just launched it this week. So it's there. You can go to the groups tab on the Center for Biblical Unity Facebook page. You can fill out the application. Maybe we'll accept you, but you can go to the Unwoke Homeschooling Support Group. A lot of people, almost 100 people have joined. We've only had it open for like a day or two and um, it's there. So make sure you fill out the application. If you do not fill out the application, you will not be let in. You must fill it out. You will be deleted. You must fill it out, okay? So go there, fill out the application, join, introduce yourself, meet some new friends. She's about to discriminate. You better believe it. (laughs) We will be discriminating in the Unwoke Homeschoolers group. If you a troll and you come in there, we'll throw you out pretty quick. All right. So go fill that out. One more announcement. I want to let you know that I just opened registration on my next class. Uh, It's going to be on the book of Revelation. We're going to be doing a deep dive into the book of Revelation Uh, It will start on January the 10th. It's going to be on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you would like to do a deep dive into the book of Revelation, we'd love to have you enjoy the ride with us. It'll be kind of a part um, theology class on end times, part uh, hermeneutics class on Bible interpretation, It's going to be a great time. I want to encourage you to come be a part of the show. If you want to take a deep dive into the book of Revelation, it'll be 10 weeks. You can find out more. Just go to centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash classes. Get all the information. It's not revelations. It's revelation. 
Okay. Kimberly says she's laying there half asleep and then she heard her name. Now she's awake. <laughs> so yeah, go join the Unwoke homeschool group. All right. Book groups are also coming as well from Center for Biblical Unity. I want to let you know about the book groups. We've got three book groups starting in January. We're going to be doing Tim Keller's book, Generous Justice. We get so many inquiries from people. What are your opinions on Tim Keller? What do you think about his views on justice? Well, this is your opportunity to read and interact about a Tim Keller book. Okay, so you can do that. We're going to be reading uh, Elisa Childers' Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Uh, that's going to be a great group. If you're uh, someone who's just kind of newer to apologetics, that's a great on-ramp book. And then if you're really wanting a deeper dive, Biblical Critical Theory, uh, Dr. Joe Miller is going to be leading a group through that very influential book. It'll, I, I think that's going to be a great group. I actually have to read that book for my next seminary class. So um, I'm going to be in the book as well. <laughs> but those are our three offerings. So go to centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash book clubs. Get all of the information. Okay, we're going to do one more topic here. So I saw this tweet by Katie Faust. Dystopia is here. Designer slash disposable babies made possible via IVF or in vitro fertilization and surrogacy will be mass produced. The only solution is them before us fighting for children's right to life, right to a mother and father, right to be born free, not bought and sold. And I'm thinking like, what in the world is this? And then I see this video. Okay, y'all, I'm just going to play like the first couple minutes of this video. You're going to, this video is like the most dystopian approach to family you can even imagine. I thought maybe at first when I was watching it, I thought maybe it was a parody video. Um, my friend Amy Hall posted about it as well. Okay, so it's a new service called Ectolife. The world's first artificial womb facility. You're not going to believe this. Okay. Hang on to your hats. Here we go. Introducing Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility powered entirely by renewable energy. Ectolife allows infertile couple to conceive a baby and become the true biological parents of their own offspring. It's a perfect solution for women who had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer or other complications. With Ectolife, premature births and C-sections will be a thing of the past. Ectolife is designed to help countries that are suffering from severe population decline, including Japan, Bulgaria, South Korea, and many others. The facility features 75 highly equipped labs. Each state-of-the-art lab can accommodate up to 400 growth pods or artificial wombs. 
every pod is designed to replicate the exact conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. Okay, I'm sorry. I got a comment. Okay. <laughs> Do you notice the wording here? Like, what's the worldview behind this wording? It completely assumes that the only aspect to a human person is the physicality. We have replicated the conditions of the mother's room. Well, everything except the mother. Like, human beings are not just matter in motion. We're not just, just physical things and you can replicate that in some laboratory in a, in a womb, in an in a, in a artificial womb environment. What? What are you even talking about? Like, this is so bizarre. And, and notice that it's all under the, the idea of population decline. Have you not heard of the World Economic Forum? They're, they're worried about population control. This is, is like, I mean, yeah, my imagination just like started going a hundred directions when I saw this. Okay, I'm gonna play a little bit more of it, but it is, this is crazy. Incubate up to 30,000 lab-grown babies per year. Ectolife allows your baby to develop in an infection-free environment. The pods are made of materials that prevent germs from sticking to their surfaces. Every growth pod features sensors that can monitor your baby's vital signs, including heartbeat, temperature, blood pressure, breathing rate, and oxygen saturation. The artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. The pods are... Okay, can I just ask... So it can detect genetic abnormalities. What's going to happen if it detects genetic abnormalities? Anyone want to venture a guess? I don't think it's too far to think about that. Hmm. What would happen if there were genetic abnormalities? Hmm. We continue. Equipped with a screen that displays real-time data on the developmental progress of your baby. These data are sent directly to your phone so you can track your baby's health from the comfort of your zone. The app also provides you with a high-resolution live view of your baby's development. A special section in the app allows you to watch a time-lapse of your baby's growth and share it directly with your loved ones. Babies can recognize language and learn new words while still in the womb. Ectolife growth pods feature internal speakers that play a wide range of words and music to your baby. Through the app, you can choose the playlist that your baby listens to. You can also directly sing to your baby and make them familiar with your voice before birth. Our goal is to provide you with an intelligent offspring that truly reflects your smart choices. Does anyone else think this is completely creepy? This is so creepy. <laughs> you know, from the comfort of your zone? What happened to the comfort of your home? What is your zone? What, what exactly is a zone? I'm wondering. Oh. It reflects your smart choices. Tell me, 
does, does my smart choices also tell me what to do if there's a genetic abnormality? Is that part of my smart choices too? <laughs> this is so bizarre. Okay. Yes. And, and Tony is asking, and what exactly is a genetic abnormality? Is it too dark, too, too tall, too short, too light? Who decides? Very good question. Okay, we continue. Ectolife improves your bonding experience with your baby. Thanks to a 360-degree camera that's fitted inside your baby's growth pod, you can use your virtual reality headset to explore what it's like to be in your baby's place. See what they see and hear what they hear. Using a wireless haptic suit connected to your baby's growth pod, you will be able to sense their kicks in the womb and share this experience with your friends and family members. With Ectolife, your baby will receive the best nutrients that can support their growth. Each group of pods is connected to two central bioreactors. The first bioreactor contains nutrients and oxygen, which are supplied to your baby through an artificial umbilical cord. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Artificial umbilical cord? Connected to two bioreactors? This, I mean, I'm a Star Trek Voyager fan. Even in Star Trek Voyager, like, Bolana still had a baby in the future in the normal way. I'm, uh, trying to figure this all out. Do you notice like how perfect, I was trying to get to the part where it said it was a pain-free experience. And, and I'm afraid I'm gonna copyright strike if I play the whole thing. But there, there's a line in it, you can go look it up. There's a line in it that says like, you know, this is all a pain-free experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, can we get more narcissistic than that? Like I lived through two near-death experiences with both of my children. So I know what it is to have a harrowing pregnancy the pod i don't regret having a real pregnancy i don't wish i had had a pod it's so bizarre it's just completely predicated on the idea that humans are nothing but matter and motion there's no soulish property to us i think you know the parent is completely optional i can think of three or four nefarious situations where children could be conceived in the pod, developed in the pod. Um, what if you needed children to engage in certain illegal activities, immoral activities, but you used the genetic material of your own, you grew them in the pod, Am I the only one thinking about this technology in the hands of, oh, I don't know, sinful people? And yes, this is a real video because at the end, the maker comes on and he's in, in, you know, wanting people to invest in this and blah, blah, blah. And it's on his official channel. Now, I don't think our technology is where you can actually do this sort of thing. But in somebody's mind, this is their vision of the future. Holy dystopia, Batman. What are we doing? Okay. 
makes the matrix look less like entertainment and more like a plan. Yeah. Jessica says it reduces pregnancy to check in with your baby via your smartphone, right? Do you think this, these babies will grow up to be even more disconnected from other humans? That's possible. See, Jeff understands my Voyager fanship. He says, this is Borg-like. <laughs> uh, yeah, artificial intelligence to the next level. So this is what I mean when I say that, like, the thing that I think is so under attack right now is the creation mandate, the created order, the design. Going back to our friend Katie Faust's tweet at the beginning, now that you've seen the future. Dystopia is here. Designer, disposable babies. Put it back on the screen here for a minute. Made possible via IVF and surrogacy will be mass produced. See, the, the, the cultural programming is already happening. We're already paving the way for this because we're already has engaged in the emotional pro process of separating children from their parents, making parents a man, a, 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 a husband and wife optional. We've already been in the process of undermining that for a few decades. Now it's really amping up. But Katie Faust's mission of children's rights, fighting for children's right to life, right to a mother and father, right to be born free and not commodified. This is where she's coming from because she, she looked into the future and said, this is where we're going. In God's design, I mean, does, does it go without saying that God's design is male and female, children in a womb? <laughs> like God is, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's a lot. So go look up Ectolife if you want to watch the whole video. The world's first artificial womb facility. You can see the rest of the video. Okay. Also go check out Katie Faust's book, Them Before Us, for more on her perspective. This is a great point. We're going to be doing a, a show about this, hopefully in the spring. Once humans are, are merged with machines, i.e. live forever, they will have no release of death to meet their maker. This is the great project of transhumanism. We did a show on this the very first season of all the things, but we're going to revisit that topic um, because it is, an, an, it is an important topic. It's one that um, the World Economic Forum has declared as one of their goals is to merge the physical with the machine and transhumanism and artificial intelligence to have all these strands kind of coming together. And it really is like trying to recreate our own tree of life, that we may reach for it and live forever. Um, Jeff says, babies are messy. This is sanitized and clean for all via renewable energy. Yep. It's checking all the right ESG boxes there. That's right. Um so yeah, uh, watch in the spring. We're, um, 
we're going to probably be doing an episode on transhumanism and artificial intelligence and, um, you know, reacting probably to this video a bit more. But um, this 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 video, I think, is is far out there in terms of we don't have all this technology in place. This is one guy's vision of what he's hoping for, probably trying to leverage investors to get to. But um, I think that something resembling this is is definitely where a lot of people want us to go. And um, if you're not a Christian and you don't, you, you think that you can take life into your own hands and that life isn't under the, the rule and reign of God, this makes sense. This makes absolute sense. The transhumanist project of the next level of human evolution, it's really to, for us to all play God with our own life to own our mortality and to escape our, to escape mortality, basically. So this is the, uh, this is where some people really want us to go. It is an extension of the atheist worldview, but there are some Christians who want to be in that space too. And so it's important for us to, to think about this because this is, um, I think, all part of the creation mandate. We need to think deeply about um, these things. And um, I'm going to leave you with a tweet, another tweet from Katie Faust. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Are you afraid for the nation? Fill in anything you want there. Are you afraid for the future? Are you afraid for your kids, your grandkids? Buy a house plant a garden, get married, have lots of babies, help your children marry well, be great grandparents. You needn't run for office, start a podcast, or lead a think tank. The most powerful and countercultural work happens in your own home. Jeremiah 29, 5 and 6. And I would just add to that, you know, the creation mandate, Genesis 1 and 2. This is what regular, ordinary people can do is day in and day out, do the things that God commanded us to do because they're going to start getting more and more weird, more and more countercultural. It's going to get more and more countercultural to do the things that God commanded us to do. Get married, have kids, have grandkids, help your kids marry well, um, plant a garden, build a house. These things that have long for all of human civilization but the normal things these these things are going to be increasingly weird abnormal just keep doing these things we are historic christians if you're obeying the creation mandate we are the new alternative culture we are the new alt culture you know back in the 60s hippies were the alternative no 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 no. that's us now we are the alternative culture okay so that's how you, if you want to know God's will for your life, like just grind it out. And that's not to exclude single people, like wherever, bloom wherever you are planted. Be a stand, be an outlet, be a lighthouse of salt and light wherever you are planted, whether you're in your workplace, know how to live in justice, know how to act like a Christian when you're in your home, when you're in your workplace, be salt and light. Go against the culture. You don't need to bow the knee, do the salute, paste the black square. You don't need to do any of that. Look in the Bible and do the things that God has told us to do. Okay? Leave you on that encouraging note. God bless. 
and good night. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.